ladies and gentlemen, to the Peak Endurance Podcast with your host, Isabel Ross. As a personal trainer, accredited endurance coach, and now podcast host, Isabel is bringing you the best advice, tips, and tricks for your health and athletics. She's won two Australian Trail Championships, a 24-hour track race, and many, many more races, as well as participated in the notorious Barkley Marathons. So she knows her stuff. And now, since she's raced all over the world, she's bringing all that knowledge and giving it to you so you can become a better performer as a whole. So make sure to continue to tune into the Peak Endurance Podcast to get your body right, your mind right, and your health on point. Hello and welcome back to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Episode 140 is an interview with the amazing ultra runner Jane Trumper. She is the first woman to have completed the Aussie Grand Slam of ultra running with four races of 100 miles and over within three months of each other. Jane is also the first woman to have run across the Simpson Desert and she has also run 2,300 kilometres from the UK to Rome in 41 days solo. What an amazing set of accomplishments. We will hear all about these as well as her recent finish at Coast to Cozzy just over a week ago where I saw her and we've since caught up with this chat and um, I hope it's really informative and interesting for you. Now, if you're not following the podcast on Insta and Facebook, what are you doing with your life? Please get on those socials and follow the podcast. You can also follow me personally, just search for Isabel with an O. And if you got value from this episode, I would love it if you could share it with a friend either on social media or simply directly. But if you do share it on socials, don't forget to tag me so I can thank you. It would also be absolutely amazing if you could subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts and write a review, hopefully a good one. Um, I hope these podcasts make a difference to you, just like your review would make a difference to me and to the pod. The link is in the show notes to do just that. Now, do you want to know all about ultra running and racing and all the tips and tricks to have your best race possible? I am finishing off creating a course that will give you all the info you need. Go to the Peak Endurance Coaching website to register your interest and I will let you know when it is ready to go live. And if you register your interest now, you will get 15% off the price. Enjoy this interesting chat with Jane. Hey, it's Tom Dade here. I'm back with some more thoughts. And today I wanted to talk about DNFing. Um, this has kind of come to mind because of an experience this past weekend where on the Saturday I attempted to run a 100-mile race and then finish that within 24 hours so I can attempt a 50k race on the Sunday morning. Um, I was at the same running festival at the Yanks. And long story short, I finished a 100-miler in just under 22 hours and started the 50k on the Sunday. Um, however, DNF the 50k. I only got 30 kilometers in. Um, I was too slow and didn't make the official cutoff time. I was given the go ahead to finish the 50k, um, which would have had me officially finishing, but I didn't feel like I'd really be properly finishing because it was after the official cutoff and. Um, the other thing I'd be lying to say the thought of running um, until probably 8pm that Sunday night just didn't sit well with me so I pulled the plug at 30k and DNS hurt they hurt a lot and um, 
you know, this big challenge I set myself, I did, wasn't able to finish, and obviously that's quite devastating. Um, but it really made me think, and I had to remind myself, and I was also reminded by people I care about, close friends of mine, that it isn't about the, say, the destination or the success or whatever you want to call it, about hitting that goal. It's what it's really about is the experience you get. Uh, from attempting said goal, so pretty much the journey, as everyone talks about all the time. But although we all know this, I feel we need to remind ourselves at times and be reminded by others. And I'm not just trying to say this as an excuse for myself, but it really is something to remember that it really is about the journey and the experiences we learn along the way. Like I had such a good time, you know, with people, you know, and friends, and that had run running during this event, and it was such a great time. And there was also problems and mishaps that happened along the way that I'm pretty proud of how with how I handled them. And to get rid of all that just because I didn't complete the overall goal would be really sad and just negative and wouldn't be good for my headspace coming in the future. So, and you know, I learned things along the way. Again, the journey. So I feel like, just like I need to remind myself, I feel like we all need to remind ourselves about this. That Yes, the goal is the goal, and that's what we want to go after. But it isn't just about that. It's about the journey. Um, my uh, partner recently just said to me uh, a quote, which is DNFing in general, is it's not just did not finish, but it's also did not fail. And I think that's actually a really good way of putting it, because you didn't fail just because you didn't finish. And... It's, it's really, I think it, it pretty much encapsulates what I'm trying to say, just in rewording the DNF. So yeah, these are my thoughts this week, and just a reminder to enjoy the process, and to appreciate the process, and don't get so hung up on results. So you like running, but you're feeling pain or irritation, you can't enjoy it like you once did, or worse, your performance has taken a big hit. Now you're reminiscing on the good times where the wind blew past your ears, nature looked lovely as you passed it. What are you waiting for? Go and visit the specialist at Health and High Performance. With the latest in technology and a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can help you with all your running injury and performance needs. Let's get you back to doing something you love with the results you're capable of. Head over to healthhp.com.au slash run, or you can find them on Instagram at Health High Performance. Health and High Performance are located in Mount Albert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments, not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. So contact them now on their website to find out more. Hi, Jane, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hey. How Thank are you. you. You've had uh, a big couple of weeks, haven't you? Had a, had a big couple of months, but um, last week was all I could have wished for. I just wanted to, you know, finish close to Cozzy. So just getting that 10th one in the bag, I'm pretty happy with. And that's an amazing accomplishment. So well done on that. But um, of course, we'll get we'll get to that specific race in a minute because there's so many. Um, just for the, the listeners who might be living under a rock and have no clue. 
Um, can you tell them about your athletic background? Firstly, how you got into running and then how you got into these ultra endurance, like huge races and, and events and runs. Sure. Um, back in 1998, we moved to Japan and I'd never run a kilometre by at that stage. So I didn't like parking the car. So I just started walking everywhere. I had a friend that wanted to start running. So we basically just, you know, another friend wanted to do London Marathon for her 40th birthday. So we planned to do that together. Um, I wanted to run mainly because my brother had had quadruple bypass when he was 38 and um, he subsequently has died. But um, it was sort of family history is really bad. But, well, you know, if I can start running. And um, I was planning on doing London Marathon with a good friend in 2000, from about, or 2001 for our 40th birthdays. And she ended up pulling out with a stress fracture and didn't come with me. So I did London on my own. I knew nobody that ran, absolutely no one. I had no idea what pacing yourself for. No. What I was doing. So that was back in, yeah, 2001. Yeah, fair enough. Now, I'm just having a little bit of a trouble with your connection. Are you um, on your um, Wi-Fi or? Wi-Fi. Is it all, is it a strong connection? It should be. Yeah. All right, well, we shall persist and see how it goes. Um, so, so that's how you got into running. What, what got you into the longer distances then? Did you hear me? No, I've lost you. Sorry. What got you into the longer distances? Um, I think my first six-foot track marathon was 2003, the year we came back from Japan. And I think it was, it was finding these crazy people that wanted to do longer distances. It really wasn't something I'd planned on, on doing. It was, it was just wanting to be part of a great group of people. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 some of the, the, the old guys that, that sort of have encouraged me to to do this sort of thing, you know, people like Ray James, who, who is now in his 70s. Um, my first 100 miler was Great North Walk. And it was, it was only a month before the race that he said, you should do it with me. And I'm going, <laughs> sure, like, you know, you know like, what, does that, what does that entail? I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But it was people that really believed that I could actually do something. Yeah. So I think it was, it, was, it was just what I did on a Sunday morning. I'd get up and go for a run with some some great friends and, and coming back from Japan it was it wasn't all that easy to sort of reconnect with the people that I knew five years earlier yeah. you know we all had kids at different schools and different ages so you know the, the running community really sort of kept my sanity. Yeah the, the running community is awesome like that isn't it it's just it's just amazing so when yeah. he convinced you to do this 100 miler what was your longest race or run before then? Um, I'd done um Plenty of Oxfams, oh, okay. plenty of 100Ks, but Good. never never stepped over, you know, to 101 kilometres. Um, and especially on, on you know, that, that trail in, in November, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty confronting. Yeah, yeah, I bet. 
And did you actually run it with him or just yep. start? Oh, okay. Yep. yep, we did every step together. I think yep. we finished about half an hour under the cut. Nice. Well, was, that's all you need to do. Yeah, that's what we planned. So it was, it was good. That's excellent. That's excellent. So then um, obviously from there, you've done some pretty epic challenges like the um, you did the Grand Slam of ultra running and, and those sorts of things and the Simpson Desert. Can you talk to us about what possessed you to start going for these unusual challenges? Uh, the Simpson Desert was not my idea. It was Roger <laughs> Hanney's idea. Um, he, he had got me into hawkers already and he just at some stage just said, no, no females ever run across the desert. You know, you've got to be the first. And I said, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Anything. said, you have to do it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> he said, you know, you've just got to go and do it. And um, there was a group going out there and that ended up being a disaster because there were fires in the Simpson Desert and we were stopped. So mm -hmm. the, next, the next year he said to me, you know, like you've just got to find some people to support you. And I'm going, I don't know anyone that wants to drive across the Simpson Desert with someone running. Yeah. And I went on the VKS radio website and all the four-wheel drive um, clubs mm -hmm. and I, I found a guy and his wife in York in Western Australia that just messaged me and said, you still want to run across the desert. Uh, never, never met them before. They picked me up from Alice Springs Airport. They've become really, really good friends. And I bet uh, they'd never crewed for a runner before either. Never crewed for a runner. We've now done the Lara Pinta twice with, with them. Um, um, the Cape to Cape in Western Australia a couple of times. Uh, Gibb River Road. Like they've, they've just become really good friends. They're, they're total four-wheel drive campy people. They're not runny people. But um, they're very kind of brought you together. I know. I mean, he, 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 they could have picked me up at Alice Springs and cut me into little bits and pieces. <laughs> Some of the desert, but um, no, they're, they're, they're just good, decent people. Oh, that's awesome. What a lovely story. That's that's fantastic. And the fact that they they had never crewed a runner before because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult chore or task to, to crew a runner and it's very precise. So they obviously did a good job to get you across, though. And, you know, Gary would say, you know, get those blisters you need to. And I said, don't you tell me what to do with my blisters. If, you know, <laughs> I said, if, if I do something wrong with my blisters, I need to blame myself, not you. Yeah, and, you know, we, we, we got on really well. It was really good. Yeah, oh, that's, that's yeah. great. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a notorious sand hater. What was it like running? I mean, I just can't fathom that. The, um, I ran from west to east because the sand dunes are more gradual on the way up and, and steeper on the way down going from west to east. Uh, I did a lot of, lot of beach running. Yeah. Um, I was incredibly lucky with my shoes and my feet. There wasn't an issue with, with sand. Um, it's, it, was, it, was, it was something I didn't expect what I got. Like the first day was uh, got up to 45 degrees Celsius. Oh. I, I drank probably 22 litres of, of fluid, oh hardly feed, um, had no, I, no one on my crew was medical at all. And oh. I had you know, IV fluids and all this stuff that I thought, my God, I'm, I'm going to have to give it to myself because these guys had no idea. You know, I had <laughs> adrenaline in case I got bitten by a snake. Um, but, um, it, was, it was a lot hotter, hotter than I thought it would be, a lot hotter. Yeah, wow. So what, what temperature were you expecting if not hot? Well, it was April, and I thought by then the weather, the temperatures would have gone down a bit. But um, 
you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, you know mid-30s but not mid-40s. Yeah, wow. That's, that is hot and you're exposed. So, yeah. oh, well, well done. Now, um, what about the, um, the, the Grand Slam of ultra running? When did you it, do that? Um, that was in 2009, I think. Nine or ten. And what year was the Simpson Desert again? If you sorry, just remind the listeners on that one. Simpson Desert would have been 2012, 2013. Yeah. Um, but the the Grand Slam was just there. Like we were really lucky because we put puts on the Great Ocean, the right. um, Great Ocean Walk. Yeah. Um, and that was back then um, a mile up. So oh, I didn't. Yes. Yeah. I they had a hundred k's and a hundred. I didn't know that. I mean, it was a lot longer than 160, but it was at least, you know, a, a, yeah. over 100 miles. So that was um, last house in September. Yeah. And then Costa Cozzi in December. So there were four races within like 14 weeks. Wow. Like 100 miles. So, yeah, it was there to be done, right? Yeah, yeah, once again. Yes, for sure. And you also ran from the UK to Rome. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> A, one of my mates at work said to me, Janie, I was oh, listening. God, it always starts with someone said. <laughs> Harbour at work, right? Yeah. No, 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 actually really thinks it's a good idea. He, <laughs> um, he said, I was listening to the radio and he was listening to someone that was talking about their longest holiday and that that walked from Tuscany to the Vatican. And, and I said, what, what, you know, what's this for? And he said, oh, it's, it's a it's a old pilgrim route. Yeah. And I I looked into it and the old pilgrim route starts in Canterbury and finishes at the Vatican. Ah. The Archbishop of Canterbury back in 950 AD um, did it from the Vatican back to Canterbury on horseback. Nice. Um, so I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go to Europe to do just from Tuscany to the Vatican. I'll do the whole thing. So um, I, I had everything on my back, my sleeping bag, tent. Um, oh, wow. So you were... I know it said you were solo, but you were fully self-supported. Fully self-supported, um, apart from having to get the, the the boat over from you know over the English Channel. Yeah, yeah. obviously and, you weren't going to swim it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the route was was really primitive. Like the, the, there was a lot of um, a lot of getting lost. A lot of uh, course, you know, the markings weren't there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, it was it was great. I, I actually really enjoyed doing that one because I was totally on my own. And yes. it was a like it was a bit like something I just had to do. It was two thousand three hundred k's. Did um, it feel like a bit of a pilgrimage to you? No, I'm not religious at all. No, um, no, I, think, I don't necessarily mean in a religious way, but sort of in a within yourself. It was it was really good to just be me and not have to do anything for other people or expect other people to do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, it was it was definitely dangerous in spots. Yeah. Um, and the, the closer I, you know, as I went, through, France was very um, empty. It was like all the little villages were closed. No. It was definitely, you know, an old pilgrim route because every single hill with a, a village on top of it with a wall around it, it's like, that's where I'm going. Like all these, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But it was, there was some pretty dodgy people around. Um, yeah. And, and there, were, there were places where there was nothing for, like 80 or 90 K. So I had to be, I had to have my wits about me with carrying enough water, enough food. Uh, I got to, I got to Rome and I had, I'd lost about 10 kilos. So 
you know, it was sort of like not thinking about carrying all that stuff on my back and having to eat more or not wanting to carry all the food or the water. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, I, I just love getting into Italy because those Italians are just the most beautiful people, like yeah. the big people that saw me and would sort of stop and ask me if I wanted food or oh, one, guy, one guy was sitting at his letterbox and he sort of started talking to me in, in broken English and he took me in for a coffee and he was a teacher <laughs> at some school and he had a little pilgrim um, sticker on his letterbox, which yeah. obviously meant that, you know, they welcome pilgrims. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it, it was it, I, I would do it again, but I don't think my husband would let me do it again. <laughs> Were you married at the time when you did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I've been married for 36 years, so he's, he, he understands that if I've got something I really want to do, I just go and do it. That's awesome. You're, you're very lucky. I mean, you know, to have a supportive partner because, yeah. you know, not everyone does. So that that's fantastic. And um, so about how many kilometres a day were you doing in that one? I think the, the highest day was about 76. It was yeah. just under 80. Uh, and, and a lot of that was like if, if, if I actually found somewhere where I could actually stay. Yeah. The night, like I mean, there were there was accommodation on the way that was. You you'd get this pilgrim passport, and it basically meant you could stay in oh. a church hall, like you could sort of book ahead. Yeah, um, I didn't do all that often, but every once in a while, you, you needed a shower. Yeah, and, um, I had everything was solar charged. Like I tried to you know charge my phone and all this sort of thing. So every once in a while, it was really nice to just get into a building and plug something into a PowerPoint. Yeah. Um, which, which a lot of people, you know, were messaging me going, send us some more photos. I'm going, I don't have any power on my phone. <laughs> photos. And, you know, these people are sitting in their armchairs like I am right now going, I want to see this and I want to see that. And I'm going, I, I, I got nothing. I can't do anything more than I'm doing. Yeah. Wow, that sounds, I didn't realise it was quite so um, solitary. And, and, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's an awesome achievement. Now, as you were saying at the start, you've done now 10 Coast to Cozies. Um, obviously, at one point, you started with the first one. What made you originally want to do Coast to Cozzi? Seeing Spud Murphy and Andrew Hewitt in an Akubra on Facebook or on Cool Running or on mm, some Probably Cool we're... Running, yeah. And I just went, I need that hat. I don't know what I have to do to get that hat. But, you know, the, the people that were photographed on that Sunday morning yeah. looking, looking absolutely exhausted and just so happy, I thought I just I need a hat to make my face look like that. Well, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. You ran for that hat. <laughs> so, um, so then the following year you did it? Yep, yep, yep. And so if it's 2021, then I'm assuming that was 2011? No, it was 2000 and, oh, God, I should, I should have checked all this. Of course, yeah, they'll have been um, like. Only for 010 because I've, I've done every year that it's been on except for one year where I crewed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I crewed, I crewed one year. Good for you. So it wasn't consecutive, but it was consecutive except for that one particular year. Yeah. Yeah, but you were still there, so it kind of. Kind yeah. Of still yes. all right. And, um. And so what made you um, want to keep coming back to that race? What is so different and awesome about Coast to Cozzi? The, the story behind it with 
Paul and Diane, but just the way the whole race started. Yeah. And, and, and when you actually know what the emotion that comes out of Paul at the, on the beach down at Eden, you know, he'd, he'd be walking along Twofold Bay, just kicking the water. And yeah. most people wouldn't even see him do that. And you're thinking, he's thinking about the guy that died in the race across Australia that he was involved in. Yeah. which was the first time he went to Twofold Bay. And I just, I, I think the, the love and the passion that was put into that race um, is so strong. It, it, you know, like every year you go down there, you don't want anyone not to finish. Like everyone yeah. has, has, has really worked hard to get a spot on that beach. Yeah. And you just, you don't want anyone DNFing because everyone deserves to be there. Everyone deserves to finish. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... That's great. So, um, and so, how do you train? Like you're saying, people deserve to be there. So, you, and work hard. How do you train for something like that? I I had um, Katie Anderson um, in my LGA over lockdown, oh, yeah. which was really lovely. Every Saturday we'd go for a really long run, and um, there was one weekend where she was supposed to be doing a miler in the states, and she said, "I've got to do a miler," and I. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do half of it on Friday and half of it on Saturday and I'll, I'll catch with you on the Saturday. And um, so that was, that was the biggest um, weekend I had was 164Ks. Wow. And um, it, 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 it's interesting though because the things that you train for quite often aren't the things that you need to, to watch. Like I, I was fine for that 100 miler. My back started hurting at the very end of the 100 miles and I went, you know, how, how do you fix your back? My legs are fine. My feet yeah, are fine. Yeah. How do you fix your back? And um, I think well, I finally worked out what the problem is, but it's a bit late because I'm not doing it again. But I, I, think when I, problem? I think when I start running and I'm getting a bit tired, I start looking down and my head is forward yeah. and it, 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 it gives me this knot in my back and then I start yeah. leaning and leaning and leaning. Uh, and I think it's mainly because I'm worried about falling over and I'm looking too close to where I am. So yeah. I'm, I'm I mean, be- I get a, um, a sideways lean when I'm exhausted in a race yes. and I can, it's one of those things. I just, you know, I, I think it's also the body just, it's, it's, it's hard on the body, obviously, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, well. And, and so that was that, that was a big week. So you do, you do quite, What's your average sort of long run, would you say? Um, we're doing, well, I, I, this year, like training for Costa Cozzi, we would have done yeah. at, least, at least a 50K run each weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'd rather do a good long run than a whole lot of short stuff. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, I've done 150Ks, but they haven't really done more than like a 22K yeah. run. I'd, I'd rather do a, a long one just to to see how I feel after it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And um, uh, <clears throat> do you do speed work and those sorts of things? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old for speed work. Speed work injures people. And you know what? I know I'm not going to win. Uh, I, I, I've been going to the gym. I do a lot of upper body work. Okay, good. But no, I do not do speed work, and I never have, and I never. Oh, have really? Yeah, no, no, no. So you just go out for runs. Yep. Wow. Okay. I mean, I 
I do speed work, you know, I mean, it's not quite the same as when I was training for marathons, not quite as fast, but I still try to push it a bit. But yeah, it's interesting to hear um, that you've never done it. And um, yet you're still a, a highly accomplished runner. And like you said, though, if you're not careful with speed work, it can cause injuries. I mean, I'll push the pace every yeah. once in but I'm not, I, I don't go out and say, today I'm going to do speed work. I just, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, <clears throat> and do you do like shorter races in a leader? I, I don't think I've done any race shorter than a marathon since I started running marathons. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because no. yeah. they're pretty painful too, really, <laughs> in that horrible speed worky way. <laughs> I, I don't throw up in a race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so um, what about when you taper? Um, how do you taper for, for something like Coast to Cozzy? It's funny, someone else asked me this. They said, is it a beer taper or a wine taper? And I said, it's a people taper. Like, I, I absolutely, I, I have four grandchildren. I have three yeah. wonderful kids. I have a wonderful husband. But the few weeks before Coast to Cozzy, I need to start looking at me and yeah. put me, putting me first. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. And, yeah. you know, every once in a while I, I, I feel myself wanting to, help someone do this or whatever and yeah. you know you said Janie no like just say no and it's more don't do the extra work at work you know don't don't offer to do you know to have the kid the ba the grandchildren more often than I already do just, just taper from being needed by other people I like that that's interesting a people taper that's that's yes. a pretty cool way to, to look at it I like that <clears throat> and do but you do reduce your kilometers too I presume yeah, uh, I think the the week before Cozzy, I think my longest run was twenty k's. Yeah. So I yeah, and then I didn't run for the five days before Cozzy. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you were saying that you go to the gym, so you do strength work there and do all that sort of stuff. And um, and did you do strength work on your back? Yeah, I was working on my back, but I, I think it's I think it's all a posture thing. I think yeah. it's. It, it's, you know, your head weighs a hell of a lot. Yeah. I think, I think it was just that yeah. supporting my head in a stupid angle for, I mean, I started, I started leaning forward, I reckon, around Boloka. So that's, you know, 80, 80 Ks of this big fat noggin not on top of my shoulders. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to end up ugly. So. And could you, um, because um, you were quite leaning forward, could you tell you were leaning forward? Because I know with me when I'm sideways, sometimes I think I'm straight. <laughs> you could tell? Yeah. I tell you what, though, by, by perisher, yeah. I knew I looked like a, a little old lady on a bed right <laughs> If a little old lady was doing, you know, over 200 kilometres, so not that little and old. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't It wasn't a pretty sight at the end. Like my husband was really worried because, yeah. because the medics were all, all around me yeah. and and Greg had the race director, one of the race directors had, had come up and said, just take your time, like just look after yourself. I'm going, no, there's no one behind me. I'm not going to make you guys wait out here, yeah. you know, for longer than you have to. And... My, my crew were fantastic. I had Katie, Zed and Pete, and they were all very, very aware that my only thing was I am not doing anything. And that was from the week before oh, to wow. my 
school. It's like this is number 10. Yeah. I've had 10 starts. I'm going to have 10 finishes. There is absolutely no way in the world you are going to suggest I pull out of this phase. <laughs> so how did you cope with the cold weather? I was fine. Yeah. I was, I really was, I, I, I felt really sad when, you know, Nikki and Brick pulled out. And I think I was, I, I wasted or didn't really, in hindsight, I didn't waste it, but I spent a lot of time getting dry in the car, getting totally naked, getting dry in the car and putting warm clothes on. Um, I did that at Cathcart and I did it um, through the water crossing. Yeah. I, I stayed in the car after that water crossing and I took everything off and I dried myself and I put dry stuff on and the night time was, was absolutely fine. I put a fantastic um, jacket that, that kept me dry, mm. kept the wind out. And, I, you know, I, 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 I think I've learned from a few mistakes yeah. in the last 20 years on, you know, you don't scrimp on good gear. And yeah, I, I, get, I agree. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I got naked, I got dry. And, yeah. I, and I think if you don't do that as soon as you're cold, you're in big trouble. It's like the old saying, you know, stitching time saves nine. And, yeah, it, it seemed like you were wasting time, but you actually weren't wasting time at all. And, you were making time. And it's not easy getting clothes off when they're no. wet. No. And, or in the car. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I was at that water crossing for probably 45 minutes. Wow. Just, making sure that, that I was right because it, it wasn't dark then, but it, I, I thought, you know what, this is the last time I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Until the morning. It was like, this is this is my night gear. This is what I'm going to wear. And, yeah, I was I actually I was actually quite smart for change. <laughs> I'm sure you always are. Um, so can you tell us what brand was your coat? Fokker. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's... it's I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but it's a shake dry, and it has two. It has two zips here. So if I've got a pack on, I can put it over my pack, and I can reach stuff. Oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, and and it's because got I like, like to wear my raincoats over my pack. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's it's brilliant. That's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that sounds very good. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can um yeah. find that um wow yeah and and you obviously had a lot of changes of clothes because with Nikki our problem was I mean she had heaps of clothes but we ended up running out because everything got wet but maybe that was also because her coat wasn't good enough yeah I had I, I bought back so much gear that I didn't use wow yeah yeah well that's that's really good and it, it also shows your experience with the race and that sort of thing because I'm sure over the years you've um come across many different conditions haven't you yeah, and I wouldn't say that was the worst conditions I've oh, run. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they all sort of mould into just, yeah. you know, it is what it is. You get what you get. And anyone that's done Coast to Cozy once thinks that the weather they had was the worst. And <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you which year was the worst. Brick, Brick would say this year was the worst because it's the only time he's DNF'd. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't think it was that exceptional. Apart from the, the, the water crossings were pretty pretty gnarly yeah yeah, yeah. and um <clears throat> so oh, it's just gone out of my head what I was going to say I just thought of a really awesome question and you'll have to keep thinking it's awesome because you'll never know um, <laughs> so what was your strategy for for this year's race I had my best times 
written down for, you know, to Rocky Hall, Cathcart. And I just said to the guys, um, I want to know how far behind my best time um, I am, but I don't expect to be there at that time. And it was more just, you know what, I don't want to even, I don't want to start panicking about cuts and all this sort of thing. And I never had to. I was was fine with that. Um, But it was more just, just finish. Yeah. It didn't matter where in the field, like it's someone has to come first, someone has to come last. That's right, exactly. And and, and Pete said to me, said, Jamie, it'd be kind of cool, like if this is your last one, there's nothing wrong with coming last. No, absolutely. I didn't even realise you were last. Like I see the footage of you finishing and it didn't even occur to me to think about what position you came in. Do you know what I mean? there were a couple of people behind me at one stage, but um, like David Benny DNF'd. Um, but yeah, it's, it, and and a few people passed me sort of later in the race than, than usual. Normally, no one passes me after like Big Jack. I, I'm I'm in my spot, but this year it was like you know what I've just got to like look after my back and yeah. do what I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I remembered my awesome question, and quite frankly, it's not that awesome. But um, <laughs> do you prefer the heat or the cold? Probably the cold. I mean, it doesn't have to be that cold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, if it's cold and not raining, it's, it's, I love it. Yes. Yeah, you, same. Yeah. You just have to run, right? Yeah, because that keeps you warm. Yeah. With the heat last year, I think there were a lot of people that, that had a, a race plan and it's like, you know what, the race plan didn't involve this sort of temperature, so don't stick to your race plan. So what did the temperatures get to last year? I think they were like mid-30s. Oh, on the Friday and then shocking weather on the Saturday. <laughs> so you had everything. Yeah. The, 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 this year and last year are the only two increment weather years that I've got an increment mm. finish. I've done an increment weather year uh, back in 2013, but I managed to, to get the whole course done before they called it. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I was quite happy for it to be an increment weather year this year. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. What do you do for nutrition during these long events? Um, this this year I was drinking a lot more tailwind. Yep. And and basically just whatever I you know if if there's food I can stomach I'll eat it. Like I had a Vegemite sandwich, um, a lot of fruit like pineapple, watermelon. Um, what else? Really, just whatever whatever I can. Yeah. So you don't have a specific nutrition plan because I don't know about you, but I find with these long distances you can't because it changes so much. It's, it, there's no point. Like, I mean, the, t- the tailwind's great. I didn't get sick of that. Yeah. Uh, and that's that was a big bonus for me. Like, just I said to Pete, I'm, I'm not drinking water if I can drink tailwind. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, you know, if, if I can get the nutrients in. Yeah. And it, it's weird because, like, I'm, you go into a race and you feel like you're, like, a kilo or two heavier than you yes. were before. And now I'm, you know, a couple of kilos less than I was when I started the race. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah, you never eat enough. Never. No, no, it's, it's impossible to. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that like your um, legs swell and your ankles and all that sort of stuff after a big race? My hands do, but my, oh. my, my legs and my feet were absolutely like I'd done, you know, a 50K run. It was just, it, wow. was, just, it was all, it was all my back, but my hands were swollen. I couldn't get my watch off at one stage because it wouldn't get over my hand. Oh, wow. Do you think that was partly because you're putting your weight on your arms? 
Can you see my oh, blister? Yes. That's a, wow. That's a blister from the poles. So, yeah, I was putting a lot of weight on my arms. <laughs> my biceps were sore for a few days. <laughs> it was a good arm work, guys. Yeah, but, and, and that's the thing. I mean, a lot of runners, like, they use poles, but they don't realise that you, it really works your arm and you need to do some arm work in the gym to get them ready. So but like, it's nice using poles on bitumen like that it's like you know give me some trail or give me some dirt or give me something that doesn't make that silly noise I know I know I try to get into a rhythm that it's like a meditative sort of tap but yeah ends up just being annoying so (laughs) yeah but but I'm sure it was a huge help and um so do you want to just um go over like after the race like with um recovery and and what's been going on with that Sure. So on the Sunday, I was feeling like I normally do, like a bad back, but, you know, just euphoric that I'd actually finished, like my little hat stand and, you know, it was yeah. all over. Um, and then we, went, we, we drove back on Monday and I wasn't feeling great. I just sort <laughs> of felt, I just felt sick. And I thought, you know, my bloods are probably all over the place. Like, you know, I, I expect to feel sick. I didn't feel like coffee. I didn't feel like the normal, you know, cheeseburger at Macca's on the way home. Um, and then on Tuesday, it was my birthday. Yeah. And it was for dinner. And I said, yeah, let's cut, you know, get Thai food. This is like the week before. I mean, let's get Thai food, yeah. you know, wines and that. And my daughter came over and she just looked at me and said, are you okay? And I said, I feel, I just feel sick. And she said, are you okay? And, I, and she's a doctor. And, yeah. and I, I sort of said, I've just got this, like, upper epigastric pain. And that's like a sign of a heart, heart attack. Yeah. Um, you know, I work in a cardiac theatre and I listen to some of these, these things that people, these signs people have and they ignore them. And she yeah. said, Mum, let's just go to emergency and get an ECG. And I went, yeah, yeah, sure, okay. And we just packed up, got in the car, um, they, they put me in, put me through pretty quickly and just sort of did an ECG and they said, your ECG is fine. Um, my chest X-ray was fine. They took some bloods and said, your bloods are absolutely all over the place, which I expected. Like my CK was. Oh, yeah, that'd be off the chart. was like 14,000. And that was like, <laughs> that, that was three, that was over three days post run. Wow. And, um, so high. Yeah, and, and they, they, they didn't know whether I had a stomach ulcer. They didn't know whether, you know, it was anything to do with my heart. Um, my troponin levels, if anyone knows what they are, it, it's a, it, it tells you whether you've had a heart attack or not. Oh. They were about three times the higher limit, but that is nothing compared to what, it's, what it is when you have a heart attack. Okay. So they weren't, they weren't worried about that. That's good. Um, and, you know, I've still got a few things that they want to investigate, whether it's a stomach ulcer, a stress ulcer or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, feel, I feel fine now. I feel oh, absolutely cool. fine. I've actually been for my first run today. Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> it's only about 8Ks, but, you know, it was yeah. kind of nice to, to get out there and not sort of think about my back. Yeah. Because, you know, for, for the, the first week post Coast to Cozzy, Every time I drop something on the on the floor, I'd swear like, it's like <laughs> who's going to pick that up? You yeah, needed like, one of those special things that you, that's got a little claw <laughs> on the end. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> isn't over yet? Pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> but I can fix you. Know, I, I feel much better now. So oh, that's good. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I've got a daughter that's got so much common sense because yeah. you, you don't, don't, don't bullshit, you know, yeah. cardiac history. You know, my brother's dead, my parents are dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's like and, just, and look, it's so easy to say, oh no, 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 it's nothing, it's nothing. But it's 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 best to err on the side of caution. Like seriously, yeah. what's a few hours getting a test done? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they're also you know querying rhabdo and a few other things. Yeah, that's that's what I was wondering when you told me. I was thinking, yeah. oh, rhabdo. And and I I said to the guy, I said I'm peeing really well. I'm drinking lots. Yeah. And, and he, he was really good. He, you know, he said to me, he said, you know, usually we pick people like you in overnight, but you sound like you know what you're talking about. I went, that's a first. <laughs> so, yeah, I got discharged and I've just been looking after myself. So um, so how many days is it post-race now? Ten? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, nearly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, around about that. So you've been for an 8K run. So how do you um, structure getting back into running after you've done something this big? <clears throat> um, can you not show anyone this for at least another week? <laughs> I have, the reason, the main reason I went for a run today is because I'm supposed to be pacing Melbourne Marathon on Sunday. <laughs> oh, James. <laughs> <laughs> Typical but, ultra runner. <laughs> I, I've paced Melbourne for the last few years and yeah. they just sent me an email saying, do you want to pace again? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and then, you know, Melbourne moved to two weeks after Christmas. Yes, of course. And I spoke to the, the pacing guy and I said, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, how I'm going to go. He said, you've always been fine. I'm going, yeah, but I've never done Melbourne two weeks after Coast of Cozzy. Um, So we'll see. What we'll what see. what um, group are you? Um, the four and a half hour. Four and a half. Yeah, so the, my run today was, was six twenty k's average, and I think I'll, I'll, I will go for another run tomorrow. I'll go do a long one tomorrow, just for up here, not yeah, yeah. So, so what? So it's about a six twenty pace for a four thirty marathon, is it? Yeah, yeah. And, and there, there, there are two people pacing four forty five, and two people pacing five hours. And I started thinking, yeah, maybe one of them wants to finish earlier. Yeah. But you know, when I got out there today, I thought I don't know if I could actually run consistently slower than that sometimes it's hard to run slower than your natural pace isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. so i'll i'll stress myself out for the next few nights going i don't know if i can do it i don't know if i can do it and then hopefully on sunday morning i'll just get up and go you know what yeah just do it four and a half hours of pain or whatever let's just go so i am actually putting this podcast out tomorrow so everyone can look out for you there (laughs) (laughs) thanks (laughs) <laughs> and then I'll say, Jane, <laughs> you should be resting. <laughs> no, no, that, that's, I mean, you know, and I was going to say what's next for you, but, yeah, that's it. But, but what is next for you? Do you have any big runs or races or anything in the pipeline? I have absolutely nothing planned. I think for, for January I really want to get into some swimming. Okay. Thinking of doing okay. an Ironman. I would, I would love to do one Ironman. Um, yeah. I have done ocean swims before, but I've really sort of let that lapse yeah. with, you know, with the amount of running I've been doing. And I, I, I sort of think it's time to sort of mix things up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and um, I've done the Olympic distance tries a couple of times. So, you know, maybe just mm. change everything around and just, you know, do the marathons and yeah. know, get on the bike a bit more and get on, you know, get in the water. I mean, all cross-training is good anyway, so I'm sure it'll be beneficial, you know. Um, And um, so 
So that's what you're going to be doing, getting incorporating some different sort of distances. Um, and, and as you said, it was your birthday the other day and um, we were on the Women in Ultra Running um, webinar a few weeks ago, months, God, I don't know, forever ago. And, and there was a question someone asked, how do you deal with menopause when you're running? And I absolutely loved your response because yours was, well, just keep running, just go for a run, you know? So, um, and, and like, I haven't gone through menopause, so I don't know, but what, does it affect your running? Look, I, so many things affect your running. Like yeah. just your headspace, you know, what's going on in your private life, what's How going on. lines you had the night before. Yeah, I, I just, I, I've never really thought about it too much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, even, you know, one of another really good friend of mine said, oh, I'm getting, you know, like I'm getting fat around my tummy. And, and to me, it's like, yeah, like I felt like that at one stage, but also like more exercise and better eating. Yeah. yeah. Is just, you know, you, you just. I mean, I, I, that can happen regardless of menopause, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. And also with, with like, I'm, I'm a nurse and I see what goes on with some people's lives, I think, you know what, if, you, if you're going through menopause, it means you've probably been able to have children. Yeah. You, you, you're the luckiest people in the world to yeah. have kids and family. You know, menopause is just part of it. You know, okay, it sucks that the men don't go through it, but you know what, it, 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 we're not alone. We're all, you know, yeah. we're all in it. And I think, you know, you just... You know, if you need help getting through it, you know, there's the, you know, there's hormone replacement therapy and whatever, which I've never needed. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think, you know, I'm now 61, so, you know, yeah. Because, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, it is a common concern I hear from women. They seem really stressed about about the concept of menopause. And, um, yeah, but it, it's really refreshing to hear someone like yourself say that, You've just got to, you know, take it as one of the other things in life that can yeah. make running difficult. I mean, there are people out there running coast to cozy with their period. Yeah, like that's right. That's either, like, just yes. you know, that's no fun. It's it's not yeah. fun. No, but you know, running is and finishing a race is, and yeah, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad, and you know, always glass half full. Busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's and that's a, a really good attitude. Um, and I think. It would help people get through menopause too to, to have that attitude as well. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It was great to talk to you. And um, when you were saying with the Ironman, did you have any particular race in mind? The flattest one. <laughs> no waves. Yeah, I was going to say in the bay. <laughs> I don't know. No, no I'm, I'm not thinking that far ahead yet. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any um like last sort of piece of advice for for someone who is contemplating uh, coast to cozy? Just pick your crew. Yeah, yeah. Pick your crew. I've I've had I've been so incredibly lucky, and you know this year you know Pete's crewed for me three times now, and I was more worried that I, I was picking crew for him, and. Um. And, and having this, a, a group of people that could have fun in the car. You know, it's, it's not all about the runner and saying, I want you, you and you. It's like, I want you three to, to feel like you're going to have a really good weekend. 
But um, do you find as the runner that you pick up on that good mood too? Oh, I've had I've had some some hilarious crews. I've had some absolutely hilarious crews, and and you pick up on friction, and you pick yes. up on people just bonding. Yeah. You know, people that haven't met each other before, just going, "This guy's awesome," you know. Yeah. And I don't think it matters whether they're male or female. I think yeah. it, it matters that that they're down there. You know, like Zed had never been down there, and it was great to have have someone new with a with yeah. this fresh oh my god like I'm so grateful that I'm here and it's like yeah. I'm so grateful you're here you know and, yeah. and having Katie who's run the race won the race before yeah. you know being Katie and having you know their old long-suffering Pete as well <laughs> oh well, that's that's awesome I, I like that it is a um that is a good piece of advice because also crewing Coast to Cozy is quite different to, to crewing any other ultra yeah you know, sort of out there so that is important advice. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, how can people follow you on social media? Do you get out much on social media? Hardly ever. <laughs> I, I, my, my Canterbury to Rome is on ultra small WordPress, oh, yeah. but um, not. I don't do much. No. Okay. So we won't follow you. <laughs> yeah. I'll put a link to your to your um, that website blog um, thingy, and um, and people can have a bit, bit of a read. It hasn't been updated for years. I think I know because I looked at it. <laughs> it's 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 hard. To, the only things I do on that are things that I've done overseas or when I've actually just been on my own, where you can actually write something. Whereas you know, but I, I, I haven't even written my race report for Costa Cozy yet. Yeah. So you do normally do a race report. Yeah. And where do you publish that then? Just on my Facebook. Oh, okay. So that's what I meant. If they look for you on Facebook, they might, they'll get to see that at least. Possibly. <laughs> if you get around to doing it. With um, a follow-up of uh, a report of how Melbourne Marathon goes. Oh. <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine. All righty. Thanks again. We'll see you later. Thanks, Susie. Bye. Isn't she remarkable? Honestly, um, she is just such an amazing ultra runner and um, such a great ambassador for Australia. Now, don't forget, if you have an interesting story to share, email me, Isabel with a no, at peakendurancecoaching.com.au and you might end up being on the podcast. Or if you have a great um, story about someone else uh, you could suggest to me, that would be awesome too. Have a great week of running and training and have fun out there on the roads and trails.